back to the David Glenn Show. We will take more of your calls on the cheating Houston Astros in baseball. Colin Kaepernick's workout on Saturday and a whole bunch of other good NFL stuff. We'll get to the NBA. A really interesting night last night in college basketball for Kentucky in a bad way, for Duke in a good way again, and for Memphis in terms of an NCAA-style showdown. Our next guest is one of our favorites on college football. He does great work for the ACC Network and ESPN and SiriusXM after being a standout on the field for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Roddy Jones, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm great, DG. Thanks for having me on. How are you? Doing really well. Always love picking your brain on Atlantic Coast Conference stuff, of course. But let's start nationally since the committee rankings part two came out last night. We have never seen a Power Five champion that was unbeaten left out of the final four and folks are asking the question and i think it's fair to do so baylor's only 13th in the rankings right now do you believe that if the baylor bears right now nine and oh if they go and beat oklahoma and then beat texas and then beat somebody good in the big 12 title game do you believe the baylor bears are at risk of being the first unbeaten power five champ ever left out of the college football playoff no, no, I don't. I, I think uh, I think the way the system is set up, it's going to reward those wins as much as anything. You look at Baylor's schedule and how they've won those games, and there's plenty of reason to doubt what they've done yeah. so far this year. Uh, let's let's be honest; they're a they're a referee, a competent refereeing crew away from losing the Texas Tech game. Uh, they go to overtime last week uh, against uh, against TCU, three overtimes. They squeaked by West Virginia, and there's no quality wins right now on the schedule. Now, they can't control what's already happened, but they can control the quality win aspect of it. So a win over Oklahoma, a win over Texas, and then a win in the Big 12 championship game gives them more than enough uh, to, to, to get up into the top four for sure. So I don't think I honestly, DG, like the system will break if yeah, you have, I'm with you. if you have an undefeated conference champion that doesn't get in. So there's no way Baylor would get left out under that scenario. You know, what's funny. You're on my short list of, I, I mean this sincerely, just favorite guys to talk about in this corner of the sports universe. And every once in a while, like for example, Ryan McGee of ESPN joined us. And he said in his eyes, the door is cracked. And the main reason I keep answering a question that I can't digest, Ryan said he could see it. I'm like you. I cannot see it. I think there would be an angry mob that would bring us to an eight-team playoff fairly quickly if somehow somebody in one of those leagues ran the table and somehow were left out. It's good to know Roddy is looking at it the way we're looking at it as well. It yeah, always, always and, makes and, all, me feel and all you have to do is all you have to do is look at last year. I mean, Notre Dame's resume, who they played on the field, wasn't overwhelming. It's right. going to look a lot like Baylor's. Now they were better in those games against mediocre competition True. than Baylor was, but they didn't even have a conference championship to your name to their name. And I did that college football playoff mock selection committee uh, over the fall. I did it uh, about a month ago. And in the protocol is conference championships. They yes. want to incentivize that. So going undefeated, conference champion, the football people in the room, the people who grew up in this sport will never let that happen. One of the fun questions worth asking, I think, at this time of the year, without getting into all the dozens of hypotheticals, is how deep is the list of teams whose fan bases should believe right now 
as long as we win out, we will be in the Final Four, right? So we know number one LSU fits that description. We know number two Ohio State fits it. We know number three Clemson fits it. And you and I agree that if Minnesota or Baylor from low in the rankings get all the way to 13-0 Power 5 champions, they're in. Does that mean that it's only those five who fit that description? Or could you make a case, you know, that a Georgia or one of the Pac-12 teams or somebody else can believe that as well? Georgia should certainly feel like that. They went out, they control their own destiny, and they're in um, barring again. Well, that would be a, a, a win over potentially yeah, LSU yeah. In, the, in the championship game. So that would knock LSU out, and then you get an undefeated Big Ten champ uh, or an undefeated um, – or an undefeated Baylor sneak in there, and, and, and they're in as well. Uh, I, I think the Pac-12 should feel that way as well. Like, you, the winner, if Oregon and Utah take care of business, the winner of that game is going to have a really good shot of getting in because they will likely be up against either a one-loss Big 12 champ or a one-loss uh, SEC non-conference yeah. champ. And I think they win in both of those scenarios when you look at the resume that Oklahoma's built up, because I think we all still assume that Oklahoma's going to win the Big 12. I mean, they, they look like the best team. Uh, but you go down, look, Penn State's not dead. Penn right. State with a win over Ohio State and then a win in the championship game, and they're in. So, so I think you could go all the way down to 10 at Oklahoma, then you skip down to, to 13 at Baylor. Hell, you could go to Auburn at 12. And if Auburn beats Georgia, beats Alabama, beats the SEC champs, mm. then they'll, they'll, they'll then have a win over uh, uh, presumably LSU, Alabama, Georgia, and Oregon. That could be a one-loss Pac-12 champ. So that is the scenario that people should be afraid of with a two-loss team getting in because Auburn would have the strongest resume of any two-loss team I think we've seen maybe certainly in the college football playoff era. So, so I think they still have a shot. But in terms of teams that control their destiny, it's Baylor, it's, uh, it's Penn State, it's, it's Minnesota, it's the two Pac-12 teams, Oregon, Utah, uh, and it's Georgia. I look at a team at Alabama at five, and I actually think they are in the worst position of all of those teams hmm. to make it in because we know what they've got left, and it's just Auburn. Right. Roddy Jones is with us on Twitter. He's at Roddy Jones 20 college football analyst for the ACC Network, ESPN, and – Sirius XM uh, a little bit closer to home I know you have Syracuse at Duke on Saturday um, I don't think I mean if Clemson stubbed its toe unlikely but I guess possible uh, we just had last night the first time in the six-year history of the college football playoff where the Clemson Tigers were the only ACC representative so they're up there at 10 and 0 they're number three they know if they keep winning they're in but it, it I guess it's a broader question than just 2019 there can be circumstances where the lack of depth in your league could complicate your road to contention, right? Uh, because if the Tiger, I'll put it this way, one loss SEC teams aren't dead yet. And yet if the Clemson Tigers somehow, some way, I know it's unlikely, stubbed their toes this year, given this league this season, nobody else in the top 25, it would be like a ton of bricks on the Tigers' shoulders given their resume. It absolutely would, and they would they would essentially be done. And and look, these things are cyclical. You look at 2016, and the ACC was the best conference in the country. Yeah. You had the Heisman Trophy winner. You had multiple top 25 teams, uh, and then you had a dominant team in Clemson. Um, and so so they go in cycles. This has happened to the Pac-12 a few times. I don't know uh, off the top of my head if they've had a one-loss champion that, that was in this scenario, but 
as soon as a Pac-12 team has lost a game, really over the last yeah. five years, we've been like, oh, Pac-12's done because of the strength of that league. So um, Clemson is now faced with that. They can't flip it up. And, and look, everybody's not playing the same game in college football. Some teams, because of your resume, because of, of who you play, it's a single elimination tournament all the way until the end. And unfortunately, at this point in the year, because of what Clemson has done, that's the position that they're in. It's a single elimination tournament. If they get eliminated or if they lose a game before the college football playoff, they're not getting in. Whereas some other teams, it's, it's a double elimination tournament. I mean, we just named a bunch of teams uh, that still have an opportunity to get in with one loss. So, so for Clemson, just because of the fact that the rest of the league has not been consistent enough to get that second top 25 team on Clemson's uh, schedule or even in the rest of the league, uh, Clemson's going to suffer for that because they don't have, they will not have the resume to suffer any of the losses. Even South Carolina not being good hurts Clemson. Texas A&M yeah. not being good hurts Clemson. So it's really up and down. It's not just the ACC. It's the entire schedule. Speaking of South Carolina, I- I've always said that if I were on the committee, my starting point for evaluation each resume would be how many good wins do you have, and then we can dissect the details. And then if you have a loss. Let's dissect those details, right, against who, whom it was, where was it, by what margin, et cetera. Georgia's one loss was to a South Carolina team that very well might finish 4-8 and eight and miss a bowl entirely. It felt like last night, putting Georgia at number four despite that loss, it felt like the committee was sending the message, the number and details of your quality wins – is a lot more important than the details of your single loss. Did you see it that way? I, I see it as it's, it's as important. They want, they want to both recognize the losses, how those losses happen, what the circumstances are, but understand that everybody has an off day. And if that off day is a close overtime loss at home to a South Carolina team that you play every year where there's a little bit of a rivalry, I think there's a little bit of a shoulder shrug. Okay, we can understand that. And, again, there are coaches in that room who will say, hey, look, it's tough to win every week. Sometimes you don't have it. They do. Ball bounces the wrong way, and you lose. But being able to come back and having a win over Notre Dame, which is a highly ranked team in the college football playoff, having a win over Florida, which is a highly ranked team, those are things. And then the way they've looked against other teams when you look at um, how they absolutely demolished Missouri on the defensive side of the football, albeit the offensive struggles. Same against Kentucky. They pitched two shutouts uh, in the SEC. That's not, and, and Missouri and Kentucky aren't world beaters, but you can't do much better than not letting the other team score on defense. So the committee likes uh, elite units, and they like that Georgia defense, I think, a lot, and they're able to forgive the bad loss to a South Carolina team that may not be very good. Uh, because of those two big wins over teams that they think highly of. I mean, they, again, they like defense. Florida plays a lot of defense, and Georgia was able to beat them uh, in Jacksonville. So so I look at it as, yeah, they may not totally forgive, but the committee likes to reward as much as anything. That's the reason we saw Clemson at five in the first iteration. They were rewarding Penn State for great wins that Clemson just didn't have. Roddy Jones is with us Thursday night. Remember, tomorrow night, UNC at Pitt is on ESPN, the Thursday night football special. On Saturday, the games include, for the worldwide leader, Wake at number three Clemson. That's 3.30 ABC. And then later in the day, it'll be Syracuse at Duke. Roddy has that game on the ACC Network at 4 o'clock, Wallace Wade Stadium. Louisville is at NC State, also on the ACC Network. That one is at 7.30 on Saturday night. A little bit of a homecoming for Scott Satterfield. Grew up in the Triangle area 
area, uh, leading the five and four Cardinals into Raleigh to take on the four and five Wolfpack. Last thing for you, uh, the question I get most when I do shows on the ACC around the country is actually, I mean, besides the Clemson Tigers, it's the curiosity about where the Florida State Seminoles go from here, right? Not, not so much do they win games here in November and beyond, but where do they go with their coaching search? My question to you is this. When Bobby Bowden built this monster, it got to the point where if you asked me to name the 10 best jobs in college football, I put Florida State on that list for a long time. A lot of folks don't view it as favorably now for a lot of different reasons. Do you still think Florida State is a top 10 job or for any combination of reasons, do you think it's going to be trickier for them to find the right successor to Willie Taggart? Um, top 10, I'd have to write out and think about. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to offer that immediately. But, the, but, but the, 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 the fact that I have to think about it is, it means that the, the, the job has changed. They have fallen behind in terms of uh, facilities. Uh, there's a lot of, of turnover that's going to happen in terms of leadership at Florida State. Um, the Athletic Association has some money issues. They've been operating at a deficit for a while. Uh, and, and also, you, you, you circle about a six-hour radius around Tallahassee, and you've got national championships really uh, almost every year for the last, what, decade, with the exception of, of Ohio State. Uh, so, so it's absolutely insane, the competition that happens in the Southeast. Um, but that being said, they're still in a recruiting hotbed. It's still the spear still carries a lot of weight and it's still a really, really, really good job. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I don't know where they're going to go with the coach coaching search. I don't know who they're going to call after. I think Mark Stoops is a name that's being thrown around. But can you hire a coach that, that is going to, whose team, uh, albeit maybe because of injuries and, and some other things that they've had go on, it's going to go from a 10-win season to missing a bowl game. Is that tenable for Florida State to say, hey, we got this guy, although he's coming off of a year that, that is not one to write home about? Um, and also, Mark Stoops has a massive buyout. Can Florida State afford it? So I don't know where they're going to go with it. But, but DG, I had the game against Boston College last week. I had the independence poll uh, after Jimbo Fisher decided to leave and go to, go to, uh, go to Texas A&M. So I've had two interactions with Odell Hagen's coached team at Florida State, two interactions to sit down with Odell Hagen's in coaches' meetings, hear him talk about how he used this program, what made them great, uh, how he cares about these kids. And look, after speaking to him both times, I came away thinking, wow, I would love to play for this guy because he's going to hold your feet to the fire. There's going to be discipline, but there's going to be an immense amount of love and pride for this program. So, look, I don't know if Odell Hagan wants the Florida State job, but if I'm David Coburn, the athletic director, or John Thrasher, the president, I'm marching down to whatever office he's in after seeing what they did last week and saying, Odell, if you want the job, the job is yours. You can do whatever you want with the program, but if you want it, you're the man to lead this. He's one of those type guys that sits at one place, and it's Florida State. Much like Ed Ogeron at LSU, yeah. you know, his, his, his USC tenure was was rocky. He had some success there. Got booted from from Ole Miss because he didn't fit. But LSU, that dude fits. He's like a pig in slop. Like mm-hmm. that's the, that's what he loves. <laughs> that's the place he loves. And that's where he needs to be. It's just like Odell Hagen's at Florida State. I see it a lot the same way. And Andy Staples wrote a great article about assistants taking over the head job and the success that they've had in the top ten. And the theme in all of it was those guys were assistants at the place where they yep. became the head coach. So that's one less thing you have to worry about learning. You don't have to learn the culture. You don't have to learn where the bodies are buried. 
you know that, then you just have to get the team to play hard. So I think, uh, I think he, sh- I think he should be a strong consideration. Uh, the other thing is he's also going to get a lot of those juniors who may think about going to the NFL to come back. Dabo Sweeney of Clemson, one more example of the promoted assistant who has gone on to great things. Roddy Jones, his analogies and his expertise are at least today unimpeachable in our eyes. Thank you, as always, for your visit to the David Glenn Show. We'll be knocking on your door again soon. Of course, DG. Love coming on. Appreciate it. On Twitter, at Roddy Jones 20 Your phone calls on the other side. The Lion cheating Houston Astros in Major League Baseball. I welcome your questions and comments. I think if you violate clear-cut important rules the way the Astros pretty clearly did back in 2017, you should be punished to the full extent of the law. I don't make apologies for criminals and grifters and con men and other wrongdoers the way many of you do. Punish them the way the rules are laid out for them to be be punished fines draft picks and otherwise lying and cheating in baseball and the Colin Kaepernick question in the NFL what do you hope happens on Saturday and why the NFL sent out a league-wide memo yesterday every team got it Kaepernick is working out in Atlanta on Saturday and he will not only work out physically but he will entertain questions in an interview setting he was a brilliant nfl quarterback in 2012 2013 and 2014 the next couple years as the 49ers declined so did his numbers personally and of course these last three seasons he has not been employed in the nfl ever since the kneeling during the anthem he has been considered a polarizing figure in our country and an untouchable in the eyes of some nfl owners what do you hope happens on saturday and why you can jump in with your answer at 1-800-849-2761 got another look at duke last night on tv we knew they'd beat central arkansas but the details matter as coach k tries to build another national championship contender my thoughts and yours on that matchup and number one kentucky lost at home to a 25-point underdog, Evansville. More on those college hoop stories with more of your phone calls. 1-800-849-2761. The Cheatin' Astros, the return of Colin Kaepernick. Week 11 in the NFL, week 12 in college football. A little NBA with the Clippers visiting the Rockets tonight. How about some Kawhi Leonard against some James Harden and friends? 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Darren Gant on the NFL live in 40 minutes. It's back to your phone calls next on the David Glenn Show. Mike Lupica, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Sports used to be called the toy department, and I said, look at the political scene, and, and, and tell me that's any more real or, or more serious than what we see when people say, oh, stick to sports. Well, who passed that law? You're listening to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. The Houston Astros got caught cheating. The only time they've ever won the World Series was the same year that according to The Athletic. And yes, they got actual players on the record confirming this scheme to steal signs with electronic equipment and communicate it to some of the Astros players in the batter's box in real time. Former Astros pitcher Mike Fires was one of multiple sources for Ken Rosenthal in his explosive and well-written article at TheAthletic.com. 
I say that that is a threat to the integrity of the game. There are few things more dangerous for any sport than questions about the legitimacy and integrity of the result. This is not quite to the level of throwing games, obviously, or the Black Sox scandal. Not even Pete Rose betting on his own team, but it's one rung down on that integrity ladder, and that's why I think the Astros, pending this investigation jointly between MLB and the Houston franchise, really damning evidence and really clear violations of no gray area laws. There are patently, specifically, no doubt about it, illegal ways to steal signs, just as there are many ways to steal catcher signs and other things in baseball, not against the rules. These guys had a center field camera that they were pumping the feed to a TV screen in the tunnel at Astros home games and then banging on a trash can whenever they saw an off-speed pitch coming to communicate that to the guy standing in the batter's box in real time. I wonder why the Astros were so good at home that year. Well, they were good away and at home, and there's no doubt about that. Interestingly, and I actually point this out mostly for fun, I don't think it proves anything. Do you know what the – if I'm by the way, if I'm a Dodgers fan, a Yankees fan, or a Red Sox fan, Fan. As we come at you on the cheating Astros, the college football playoff committee rankings of last night, and the Colin Kaepernick question of the day, what do you hope happens at his first public workout and interviews this coming Saturday? All 32 NFL teams are invited. What do you hope happens, and why do you feel that way about Colin Kaepernick? 1-800-849-2761. He just turned 32 years old. He had three outstanding seasons as an NFL quarterback, and his resume is infinitely better than most NFL NFL backups and even some NFL starting quarterbacks. What does he have left in 2019 after maybe three years of rust? That is more a speculative answer. What do you hope happens and why? 1 800 849 2761. The Astros were caught cheating. Draft picks, fines, and other things are in play. Colin Kaepernick is back in the mix, although that doesn't mean he's automatically going to get another job offer. This is a huge step, though, after his representative said three years' worth of reaching out to NFL teams were mostly, mostly met with either unreturned phone calls or very limited conversation. The Seattle Seahawks, remember, a couple times got close to signing Kaepernick Pete Carroll, NFL head coach, said he believed Kaepernick was still a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL, but that obviously did not come to fruition. Ray Lewis says the Baltimore Ravens were within 24 hours of signing Colin Kaepernick, but his girlfriend's tweet upset the owner of the Ravens in a way that imploded that possible marriage as well. 1-800-849-2761. The kneeling was three years ago. Some are still mad at him about that. Of course, you can jump in. What do you hope happens and why on the Colin Kaepernick question of the day? The college football committee rankings as we come to Kevin in Wilmington and others on Kaepernick and college basketball and the lion cheating Astros. 1-800-849-2761. The college football rankings are out. LSU 1, Ohio State 2, Clemson 3, no controversy there. Minnesota, still undefeated, is down at 8. Baylor, still undefeated, is down at 13. Do any of those things bother me? Not really, because if the Gophers or the Bears run the table, I don't think either will happen. But if they do, they're going to get in as an unbeaten Power 5 champion. I know it doesn't look that way with Baylor all the way down at 13, but their, tough, their three toughest games, the Baylor Bears, are all ahead of them. So the power points you need to catapult from 13th right now all the way into the top four, all the fodder for that catapult 
is based on Oklahoma this week, Texas next week, and then a quality opponent in the Big 12 championship game if it comes to that. So I have no problem with that. I was surprised to see Georgia. Given out of all the one-loss resumes, what is the most indefensible loss? It is to a South Carolina team that was between the hedges. That was the the Gamecocks are on their way to finishing four and eight, folks. The Tar Heels have a losing record right now. They beat the Gamecocks in Charlotte. App State's one of ha- having one of the special seasons, at least at the FBS level in the history of that program. They went to Columbia and beat the Gamecocks. They have A&M, and then remember the Clemson Tigers in the annual rivalry game. The Gamecocks are 4-6, and six, likely on their way to 4-8. and eight. We'll see. That's George's loss. I mean, if you're Oregon, at least you lost to a really good Auburn team on a neutral field. If you're Georgia, you lost at home to a 4-8 and eight non-bowl South Carolina team that everybody else seems to be able to beat. That, is, that was the strangest thing I saw in the committee rankings last night. And remember, Penn State's one loss is to still undefeated Minnesota. Alabama's one loss is to still undefeated LSU. I mean, it's not even close who has the worst one loss among the one-loss resumes. It's night and day. Georgia has by far the worst loss. The committee told us last night that it is placing a lot of weight on the reality, and I give Georgia credit for this, they beat an 8-2 and two Florida team. They beat a 7-2 and two Notre Dame team. Those are two quality opponents and feathers in the Bulldogs' caps. Does that outweigh the worst loss among the one-loss resumes? I didn't think so, and that was my surprise with Georgia at number four. As we go to Kevin in Wilmington and you at 1-800-849-2761, I keep getting questions about NFL teams and Colin Kaepernick. Whether this makes you feel better or not, I don't know, and, and really I don't care. But here's the reality of the situation legally and practically when it comes to Colin Kaepernick. I get this question. DG, what if I'm an owner and I'm still mad at Colin Kaepernick for kneeling? Can I say out loud, I am not signing him because I don't like what he did and not get into trouble with the law or the NFL? A lot of people don't realize this. The answer is yes. If you own an NFL team and you said to me right now as a guest on the David Glenn Show, I'm not sending a scout there. I'm not sending my coach. I'm not sending my GM. I don't like that punk. Again, this is me paraphrasing. I don't mind peaceful, silent protests, even during the anthem, even in front of the flag. You and I are just, many of you and I are just different along those lines. I see that as a contribution to an important American conversation about police brutality and racial injustice. Some of you see it as, you know, the devil incarnate. We just agree to disagree on that. But most people don't understand. If you as the NFL owner say, that's why I'm not considering him, you are protected. Now, you do have to follow, like, federal law. (laughs) You can't say, I'll never hire him because he's black. Like, that would be, you know, a violation of the civil rights legislation of the 1960s. You can't say, I'll never hire him because of his religious persuasion, right? And some have a problem with his girlfriend in that regard. I advise against saying that out loud. Also a violation of United States civil rights law, okay? So you know the deal. You You cannot discriminate in our country on the basis of race and religion and gender and color and national origin, et cetera, even though some of those things are very popular among some Americans right now. They are illegal if you apply them in the employment context, for example. But as long as you're following federal law 
and you're following the only NFL rule you really need to worry about is what if you as the NFL owner not only said why you dislike Colin Kaepernick? And again, there could be other reasons that you would not get into trouble for. He doesn't fit my offensive system. Okay. I have two or three quarterbacks that I already like, and I'm not looking for a quarterback. That's okay. There are, I can give you a dozen different reasons where you would not be in trouble with the law. You would not be in trouble with the NFL. You could even say, I don't want the distraction. Now, maybe you're exaggerating that, maybe you're not, but you could say it out loud and not get into trouble for it. There is a long list of reasons you can say, we're not interested in Colin Kaepernick and it's no problem. You know, the one thing you really can't do, again, those federal law things you can't do, but in terms of NFL rules, the the main thing you can't do is conspire and collude with other NFL teams or the NFL headquarters. And there was evidence back when Eric Reed, fellow kneeler, and Colin Kaepernick filed their grievances against the NFL, there was some evidence that owners talked to each other. And it doesn't have to be, well, if you promise not to sign him, I promise not to sign him. If it's anything along the lines of more than one franchise discussing, you know, it's probably better for the league if none of us signs that guy. We don't need the president tweeting angry, nasty things about it. We don't need to fan the flames of racism and bigotry for all the folks who mainly are angry at Colin Kaepernick just because he's a black man speaking his mind. We don't need to revisit all that anger that polarized our nation in the sports context in a way that few others have in recent years, right? We don't want to, as long as you're not going multi-team with those things, you could have all those conversations internally. You could have everybody in a big room and you could discuss every sensitive or non-sensitive football or non-football aspect of this equation. Two main things. Don't discriminate based on race, religion, color, national origin, and those other federal laws that prohibit such things. And follow the NFL rule against collusion. Do not talk to another NFL franchise about how and why it's good for the league if you all decide to keep them out. One phone call between two owners would be collusion. And remember, Eric Reed and Colin Kaepernick have already cashed hefty paychecks because the NFL settled on their previous grievance over collusion issues. 1-800-849-2761. I think that makes a lot of anti-Kaepernick people feel better. There are, there are a dozen valid reasons that you can choose not to sign him. He's going to work out in Atlanta on Saturday. Many football people believe he's better than most backups and might be good enough to start again. We'll see the answer to that. The proof will be in that pudding. 1-800-849-2761. Kevin in Wilmington wants to chime in on the college football playoff committee. Go right ahead. Hey, CG, um, uh, disclaimer. I'm a lifelong Alabama fan. All good. No, I don't think you're off base, even though you, you might have a bias. That doesn't mean you're not right. Yeah, all right. Crimson colored glasses, but and I know uh, the country has Bama fatigue, and I understand it. And uh, half, the, half the daggum state of Alabama hates Alabama. Yeah. But um, over the last 12 years, They've either either won the national championship or they lost to the team that won it, except for uh, 2010. We'll jump right on by that one. Yeah. But LSU, <laughs> LSU jumped to number one. Why? Because they beat Alabama. Yeah. Right? Yep. All right. And the committee said that Georgia jumped Alabama because why? They beat Florida and Notre Dame. Well, they had already beat Florida and Notre Dame, 
right? Yes. They had done that a week ago. That was a week ago. So the reason they jumped Alabama is because Alabama lost to the team they said was number one. All right, yeah, I, I got problems with that. I, I don't, and, I don't believe your tide-colored glasses are leading you astray here. I mean, in all seriousness, like my mind is—I'm a professional journalist and a former attorney, so my my mind is trained in the art of objectivity. And in all seriousness, I don't have any allegiance to the Crimson Tide or Georgia, for that matter. I weigh great wins quality wins, and the details of your loss. To me, those are the first two things you to, to debate for any team. Alabama is lacking in quality wins. I think we would all have to agree on that. They beat a good Texas A&M team that is right now 6-3. and three. That's the only quality win for Alabama. Now, they're annihilating everybody else, but they're mostly lesser opponents outside of Texas A&M. And again, their only loss is a quality one, 46-41 to the team that is now number one, LSU. I can't get over the Georgia home loss to South Carolina when I do my pecking order. Now, Georgia's still in the top 10 for sure, but to me, Alabama belongs over Georgia right now. Not Again, Alabama's not in great shape. And, Kevin, man, the, the factoid that you pulled out there, listen, whether we're just listing Nick Saban's national championships or here's a more modern one for you, what's the only, French, or only college football program that has not yet missed the college football playoff? There's only one. It's Alabama. They're five for five, and they still have a shot here to go six for six. They're vulnerable because if they're sitting there at 11 and one and their only two quality wins are at Auburn and at Texas A&M, they're going to lose out to certainly unbeaten resumes but they're going to lose out to a one-loss conference champion as long as that one-loss conference champion can show some good victories. So in the short term, I'm with Kevin in Wilmington. I, I think Georgia leapfrogging Alabama is unfair. Georgia has two quality wins. Alabama has one quality win. But Alabama's loss is the ultimate loss, right? It's to the number one team in the country. Georgia lost to a team that's about to finish 4-8 and eight at home. I can't get over that. And that's why I think even though he's looking at it clearly from an Alabama perspective, I don't think he's wrong. 1-800-849-2761. Back to your phone calls on the other side. The Colin Kaepernick question, what do you hope happens on Saturday and why? The Lion cheating Houston Astros question, they were found to be cheating back in 2017. How do you like that, Dodgers fans, Yankees fans, and Red Sox fans? You all lost head-to-head to the Astros in the playoffs that year. They got to hang that banner as the 2017 World Series champions. And this new article at TheAthletic.com pretty clearly shows that they were violating clear-cut rules against sign-stealing via the use of electronic equipment. You can chime in with your question or comment on that. College basketball is on our mind. Kentucky's lost at home to a 25-point underdog, Evansville. Duke's big win at home over Central Arkansas. I'll tell you who caught my eye, even as Trey Jones had to leave early with an injury that is not expected to be long-term. Oregon over Memphis in the Phil Knight game. Yes, Memphis continued to use the controversial big man James Wiseman, who's both a future NBA lottery pick and a guy deemed 
likely ineligible by the NCAA. The Memphis Tigers of Penny Hardaway continue to play him anyway. 1-800-849-2761. Ben wants in from Goldsboro, others from the mountains and the beaches and everywhere you'd want to live in between. We have college football, NFL, college basketball, the Lion cheating Astros, and the return, maybe, of Colin Kaepernick on our minds. You can jump in with your question or comment at 1-800-849-2761. On the other side, Darren Gant from NBC Sports on the NFL live in 20 minutes. More of your calls and those headlines next on the David Glenn Show. He's the UVA head basketball coach, Tony Bennett. You always believed in us. I guess you were the wind beneath our wings. There you go. How's that? <laughs> Do we but, have uh, background music that's for that? That's right. That's Bette Midler. There we go. You are the wind Keep it right here on the David Glenn Show. Back to the David Glenn Show. Darren Gant, more NFL, NBC Sports in about 15 minutes. More of your calls right now on the cheating Astros in baseball, the return of Colin Kaepernick perhaps in the NFL. Panthers hosting the Falcons on Sunday. Pittsburgh and Cleveland get week 11 going with a Thursday night football matchup. In college, Carolina and Pitt get the week 12 schedule going. A Thursday night football schedule are set up as well. Ben is in Goldsboro and wants in on the Colin Kaepernick question of the day. What do you hope happens on Saturday and why? The NFL has alerted all 32 teams that after almost three full seasons of Kaepernick being out of the NFL, he will work out for everybody. He will take interview questions on Saturday in Atlanta as many NFL teams are expected to send some combination of their head coach, general manager, or high-ranking scouts. For three years, the Kaepernick representatives have said they've gotten a little to no feedback when they've inquired about backup jobs or the occasional starting job on the quarterback depth chart in the NFL. The NFL reacted in what Desmond Howard of ESPN has called a public relations stunt with this Saturday workout in Atlanta that many teams, an unknown number, are expected to attend. Ben is in Goldsboro, and next on the David Glenn Show, welcome and go right ahead. Hey, uh, I think uh, three years in the football purgatory is probably enough, but uh, I think people have a short memory of why he his numbers declined the last couple of years. It wasn't just a team overall declining, you mentioned earlier, but uh, his girlfriend introduced him to not only to his ideology, but to his vegan diet. I, I think he just lost he lost the velocity and he was benched. You got to remember that he he was not the same when he was uh, when he was protesting as he was in a couple of seasons before that. Well, he was a starter for eleven or twelve games in 2016. That's not like somebody who got demoted or or run off the team. The 49ers were good collectively in 2012, 2013, and 2014, and Kaepernick was brilliant individually for much of those three years. And then when the 49ers swirled down the drain in 2015 and 2016, so did he. My question to you, as a skeptic for Kaepernick, which is fine, whether it's for on the field or off the field reasons. Why would your brain go straight to attacking Colin Kaepernick's numbers or resume rather than comparing his body of work to all of the NFL quarterbacks who have jobs right now? Is it, are you too tunnel vision in your anti-Kaepernick-ness? Or do you see the bigger picture where if a lot of dudes, Colin Kaepernick's 4-2 and two as a playoff quarterback. Colin Kaepernick was a starter for 11 or 12 games three years ago. There are a lot of NFL backups who have never sniffed a playoff game, have never sniffed a starting assignment. Why in that context would you not put Kaepernick's body of work 
into the mix rather than just assuming that he can't have a job, but David Fales can and Garrett Gilbert can and Devlin Hodges can and Chad Kelly can. Do you know any of these guys? Can you tell me what they what did they do at their peak? There was no peak. Colin Kaepernick came down from the top of the mountain and struggled, yes. What about the dozen or more NFL quarterbacks that were collecting paychecks right now that never got to the peak? Like, it's just been nothing but flatlining as backups who are not worthy of anything more than carrying a clipboard. That's the part of the picture that sometimes confuses me among those, those who just dislike Colin Kaepernick. Okay, well, I think, uh, I think actually the NFL owners were guilty of collusion. I do believe that they had that subtle vision of that. After all, Eric Reed did get hired back. Correct. And Eric Reed was his partner in that. Uh, but but also, uh, I don't I don't think Kaepernick was the quarterback that he uh, was in those first 12 games. I think he declined it, really, at the end of that season. And that's one of the reasons why he wasn't as good. But I don't go right straight to the numbers. I do believe that the NFL collusion in that. And I, that's why yeah. I, I think three years in purgatory is enough. Blaine Gabbert was horrible last year for the Jacksonville Jaguars and went three and nine and got devoted, just like Colin Kaepernick struggled in 2016. But Blake Bortles has a job in the NFL. That that's like if if your ultimate answer is if you're an NFL owner you don't want him because you don't like him. I get that. What I ask folks who are trying to be more objective to take is to take the next step and say if you're really pointing at numbers and a decline. Why aren't you also talking about these other numbers and these declines? There are a lot of former starting quarterbacks, now backups or third stringers in the NFL, who are still collecting paychecks. And they don't have anything close to the body of work that Colin Kaepernick had, not only at his three-year peak, but if you're still good enough to start double-digit games three years ago, you've done a lot more than Tim Boyle or Sean Mannion or, you know, Brett Hundley. And, you know, former starters like Blake Bortles and Geno Smith. I mean, if you're going to attack Kaepernick along those lines, why wouldn't you also be skeptical about all those other former starters in some cases that I mentioned? That's where I think it's a double standard and where people are not always willing to admit their double standard when they're really looking through angry eyes or sometimes even racist eyes or sometimes, you know, uh, offended American eyes more than looking at the actual football. Colin Kaepernick did decline in his later years with the 49ers. That does not at all make him unique compared to almost all of the backup quarterbacks in the NFL and even some of the starters. We're back after this. I made a reference to Mike Krzyzewski of Duke and his GOAT status. And I kid you not, I got angry emails. If I really wanted to insult somebody, I would include some kind of sentence about being in the leaping prairie chewing on grass. This is the David Glenn Show. Darren Gant of NBC Sports wants to chime in on the Colin Kaepernick story, but also the Panthers hosting the Falcons. How about a little Deshaun Watson against Lamar Jackson on Sunday afternoon? Patriots-Eagles, too. Darren Gant on all things NFL, next on the David Glenn Show. Dean in Wilmington, you're up on the David Glenn Show. The NCAA book on violations is so sick Superman has trouble carrying. This is true. However, it's not buried into the small print in the back that you're not allowed to drive luxury cars that aren't yours. Okay? <laughs> Keep it here on the David Glenn Show.